Maya Angelou, probably she was, her title was at one point, Poet Laureate of the United States. Perhaps you know what that means. I don't. Um, but I, I do know this statement. I remember one thing she ever said, and it was, uh, I thought, very insightful, uh, very good advice for living, and I have found it to be painfully true. Um, over and over again, especially when I didn't pay attention, when I disregarded this statement she made. She said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. That has proven to be true in my life over and over again. Um, as uh, some might say, another way of saying that is the leopard doesn't change its spots. If they stab you in the back once, there's probably a good chance they'll get you again. And so if somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Jesus spent three, three and a half years uh, showing us who he is. That's what the Gospels do. They show us who Jesus is. This morning in our passage, we're going to look at a story that uh, probably many of you have known since you were preschoolers. And that was the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, I don't really want to emphasize so much and talk about that miracle uh, this, that, that, that much this morning uh, as what this whole story reveals to us about who Jesus is. As Jesus shows us who he is in this story. And there's two uh, avenues we need to approach uh, this story with. As we uncover and we see uh, what Jesus reveals about himself, there are uh, many of you in here this morning who need to know that. You, you need to be reminded uh, of who Jesus is. Uh, you're going through some things in your life. You're going through some, uh, some troubles and some trials, some difficult uh, times, and, and you just need to be reminded of who Jesus is. Uh, and if you're not in that boat, you say, oh, I'm good. Uh, you probably ought to put these in your back pocket because tomorrow's coming. Uh, and you may need them tomorrow. Uh, the second avenue, the second way uh, that we approach understanding who Jesus is, is as we understand who Jesus is, then it tells us who we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be like him. And so the more we understand about who he is, then the more we understand about who we should be. And so this morning, uh, I, I guess I'm giving you the invitation at the first of the service uh, as uh, we look at this is uh, that we would, uh, that you might, uh, I hope you'll listen uh, in stereo this morning. Listen with both ears. One for uh, what you need and one for what you need to be. Uh, that uh, as you hear uh, Jesus, as you see Jesus reveal who he is in this story. And uh, most of you are, again, familiar uh, with uh, the story. Uh, and uh, as Jesus uh, takes and uh, we begin in Mark chapter 6 uh, and verse 30, and, and it tells us there, it says, 
that and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So let me kind of, I got to bring about three weeks together right there. If you remember two weeks ago, as we have journeyed through the gospel of Mark, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Uh, he sent them out, told them to go preach, to heal, to cast out demons, to go do what he had been showing them, to go uh, duplicate his work. And so he sends them out. While they are gone out last week, Mark inserts uh, a little side note story here uh, about uh, the arrest and execution uh, of John the Baptist. Now, uh, as we finish that story, we come back and it says the apostles gathered themselves. And so we have, we're backed up and connecting to where Jesus sent them out two by two. Now their journey, their mission work is over and they come back to Jesus to report uh, what they have seen. Perhaps uh, the news of the execution of John the Baptist cut their journey short. Uh, perhaps it was just time, not sure. Uh, but for whatever reason, they are coming back now uh, from that two by two uh, missionary work uh, that they have been on. And when they get back, Jesus says to them, come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So uh, the scene we have here, again, they've come back now from their missionary journey. And they're wanting to tell Jesus all that they have seen. You can uh, only imagine their excitement as uh, probably like kids at Christmas. One would start talking about, well, man, when I was out preaching, and, and one of them would jump in, and they were probably just, uh, as they told of the great things that uh, the power of God had done through their journey. And as they're trying to do that, uh, now, like the work of Jesus himself, we've already seen people are traveling from uh, miles away to come to Jesus to bring their sick and their hurting and their demon-possessed to him. Now the disciples have went out and they have uh, done this kind of work. So uh, now the message is just multiplied. So, so you can imagine here uh, the, the crowd that is gathered around them. And, and they can't even, as one of them uh, is trying to tell their story. Somebody said, hey, can you heal my son? And you know, it's, it's a madhouse is what it is. And it says it is to the point where they haven't even had time to eat. They haven't even had time to eat. Well, I want you to focus on that because most of us can uh, identify with that. Most of us uh, know that uh, if, if we hadn't had time to eat, we're going to start getting just a tad cranky. Uh, you know, uh, we're gonna, you know, it, it's going to start uh, after a while, you know, even though most of us could probably do that for a while. Uh, but eventually... It's going to wear on us if we're not able to eat. And they've been out uh, on this journey, on this missionary journey, preaching and teaching. And, uh, and uh, so you can imagine, again, they weren't uh, flying, jetting around on their private airplanes. They were walking and they were, you know, remember, they've been told to take nothing with you. So they weren't going in the lap of luxury. They're wore out. They're exhausted. Haven't even had time to eat. And Jesus says to them, come and uh, come yourself apart under a desert place and rest 
for a while. I want you to see that, and I want you to hear that, and I want you to take it to heart this morning, because I think most of us in this world, in this society, need to hear that. Come, let's go away and rest for a while. First thing I want you to notice about the character of Jesus and it has not changed. The Bible tells us that God, He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I want you to see the concern of Christ that is described here. His disciples come back from this journey. They're tired. They're dirty. They've been out walking the dirt roads. Again, they went with no extra clothes. They're, they're probably... Let's just be honest, they're probably smart. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're tired, they haven't seen their families, they haven't eaten, according to the word of God. They're whooped, they're, they're exhausted, and Christ says, let's rest. Now, I realize that, that it would be easy to skip over that particular statement. It would be easy as we read and study this passage for us uh, to ignore that. But I, I, just, I just know this morning that, that somebody who is listening to me today, whether you're in this room or whether you're joining us online, need to know that Christ is concerned enough about you physically, that he's concerned about your well-being enough that he wants you to say, hear him say, rest. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. you, you and some of you are thinking, well, maybe that's kind of not quite connecting in, in, in your head. That, uh, that the God of heaven, that Christ, would be concerned about uh, that aspect of our life. But I want you to ask you a question this morning. Uh, as you look, uh, Debbie, you've got uh, Dale, Dana both sitting there. Uh, if you know, they've been working 70, 80 hours a week. And uh, little Dale got, got, you know, got a difficult job. I've seen a lot of evenings come in here. He, he probably looks a lot of evenings when he comes in from work about like some of these disciples did. He, you know, either that or he's been playing in the mud. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, if you knew he was working 70, 80 hours a week and as a good mother, uh, as Dale's good father, and you knew that when you said to him, boy, you need to sit You need to take a break. When, when you do that as a good parent, when, when the good parent do that, aren't you? When you do that for James, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be what a good parent would do? Wouldn't you do that, Shane? Wouldn't you do that for your girls? If you knew they had been just working themselves right in, you could tell by their, uh, just by their demeanor, by their, uh, by their short, snappy responses, by, you know, you can just tell. You know, you see them, they, you know, out there in the Burris Lane, you can see them going up and down the road. You know what time they go out, what time they come in. You know how many hours they've been putting in. You'd be concerned as a parent, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that just be normal? Well, doesn't the Bible call us His children? Doesn't it say, He is our Heavenly Father? Some of you need to hear this morning, but as much as anything I can tell you spiritual, I can talk to you this morning about prayer, I can talk to you about studying your Bible, I can talk to you about devotions and, and, and all those kinds of things, but some of you simply need to hear that God is concerned about you. Yeah. 
He's concerned about your well-being. He's concerned about your health. He's concerned, concerned about your just as any good parent would be. He's concerned uh, about his disciples. He knows that they can't carry on uh, if they keep doing what they're doing. They need to, to get away. They need a, a, a break. Uh, they, they need a, a, a way, time away from the crowd. You know, they, they need a, a, a time to just to sit back and, and unwind to the, the fancy word they use in our society today is, is decompress. They, they just need an opportunity for a break. So Jesus suggests to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. You know, maybe some of us this morning would look at that, and, 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 and I'm sure there's some 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 workaholics, some people who look at that, some some just you know, ultra spiritual, super you know, Christian, uh, you know, oh, why didn't they stay there and the crowd coming to them? Why didn't they stay and heal and, and teach and preach? Had all that crowd coming to them because if they kept going at the pace they were going, they were going to die. They needed a break. God was, Christ was concerned about the well-being. Man, and listen, that, uh, that, that simple fact that Christ looked at his disciples and said, you know what? You did good. You, know, you, you went on your journey. You did what I told you to do. You, you went out and you ministered and you helped people. And now I care enough about you that I want you to take a break. That ought to just send a wave of joy and excitement through us to know that our God loves us enough to say, take a break. How many of you ever had your employer, your boss come in and say to you, hey, I, I really appreciate all the hard work you've been doing. You've been working really hard. Take tomorrow off. I, I know it's rare, but it does happen. You know, anybody ever had that happen? CD, there you go. Got one out of the crowd. Felt good, didn't it? Felt good to be recognized. Felt good just to have a day to kick back. Some of you, if you're being honest, you didn't raise your hand, but you know, you know your, your boss, your manager has come along. I, I used to have what we called a, an extra hand. It wasn't really extra. He worked harder than anybody in the company. I know because I had that job for one time. He, he, he filled in when anybody else was out. He never knew from one day to the next what he was going to be doing. And there were a lot of a lot of Fridays that I would tell him. He worked on Saturday. There were a lot of Fridays I would tell him, "Well, just take tomorrow off. I got it. If anything comes up, I'll handle it." And I could see by the look on his face that he was just. Overwhelmed. I'm not bragging on me because again, I've been there. I've been in those shoes. I, my boss before, my boss did it for me. And so that's where I learned it from. And I also know that if he came down to it, Walt would have fought fire for me. Because he knew I cared about it. He knew that I would I would look out for him. And so he had my back. I knew that I knew that. Isn't it great? To know that we serve a God that's got our back. 
I know that's, yeah, there's probably people all over town preaching some way. They're probably explaining Greek words and Hebrew words. They're probably dissecting all kinds of scripture. And that's wonderful. And we might do that next week. But this week, I just want you to know, and I believe God wants you to know, that He cares about you. Just you. When you hurt, God hurts. Just as any parent does. Your children are worried, you worry, right? All you had to do in, in the last year or so was talk to Diane and, and ask her about Marlon. And you can see the pain on her face. He hurt, she hurt. That's the way parents are. Our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father this morning is concerned about you. You know, I, every now and then I hear people say something like this. Maybe we've all said it. Well, nobody knows what I've been going through. You're right. Maybe nobody knows, but God knows. You know, it was Him who said, cast your care upon me. Cast your burdens on me. That's what He said. I didn't say that. No. I didn't say that. God said that. Listen, I, again, I can't stress that enough to you this morning that he cared enough about his disciples. Listen, and I want you to keep a couple of things in mind about this. Jesus knew, man, his days were ticking. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. He knew his time was short. He knew he didn't have a whole lot of time on ministry. Again, three, three and a half years. We're not can't exactly nail it down precisely, but roughly three, three and a half years. At this point, he's probably at least a year into his earthly ministry. I mean, the, the cross is already in the windshield out here. His ministry is quickly coming to an end. And yet, he cares enough about his disciples. He says, fellas, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Now, I'm not telling you that to tell you to go on vacation next week. If you need one and God opens up the door, God bless you. Enjoy it. Get your rest. I'm telling you that to tell you that wherever you are, whenever you are, however you are, whoever you are, God cares. God cares. His concern. Second thing I want you to see in this story about the character of Christ, and it's real, I'm splitting hairs this morning. Uh, linguistically, uh, I, I realize this is really close to what I just said, but I think it deserves repeating, so pay attention. Okay? Maybe if I say it twice, you'll get it once. Alright? See the care, the concern of Christ. Second, look what he says here as we continue. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went outwent them or outrun them and came together unto him and Jesus when he came out saw much people and was moved with compassion. Jesus gets in a boat and he loads up his disciples and they're going to take what amounts to about a four mile trip by boat to the other side of the lake. It was about an eight mile trip walking in straight line versus going around the edge. 
Evidently, the wind was not in their favor. Or these were some really fast people. Because it says they outran them. Or maybe a little of both. They outran them. And beat them to the other side. Not only did they beat them to the other side, but I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this happen before, but if you haven't, go uptown and stand on the corner and do this. And you watch, before long, there'll be some other people gathering around you going. And if you keep standing there before long, you have a whole crowd of nuts going, and then you walk off and take the picture. As this crowd begins to move around the lake, natural attraction calls other people, they see this bunch hurrying around the lake, and there were others, like ambulance chasers, you know, who look out, see this crowd moving them. And where they go, let's just go. Now, I'm sure there were some of them told them where they were going. I'm also sure just some of them just grabbed them, just, just sucked them right into the crowd. So by the time they get to the other side, it's a bigger crowd than they had on the first side. And they get there, and Jesus looks at this crowd, and even though he had said to his disciples, come, let's rest, when he looks at this crowd, it says he was moved with compassion. See the concern of Christ, we see the compassion of Christ. The word compassion is used here comes from the Greek word visceral, which means, talks about your, your gut, your, your innards. In other words, Jesus looked at this crowd and he was just moved in his gut. He was sent to his stomach by their condition, by how great their needs were. He was moved with compassion. And I love that phrase. He was moved with compassion. You know, I, I think most of us have compassion. I'm just not sure that our compassion always moves us. Oh, look at those poor people in that video. Somebody ought to do something. We're going to take up an offer for any poor people in that video. What? I thought you said somebody ought to do something. See, it's one thing to have compassion, it's another thing to be moved with that compassion. For that compassion to get you up out your chair, it's a whole different thing. They were moved with compassion because he says they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, in other words, it was the evening. His disciples come to him and said, this is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country around about and into the villages and buy for themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered unto them, give you, give ye them to eat. You feed them, is what Jesus said. You feed them. 
See, here the disciples show us an example of, we see the difference in compassion and moved with compassion. The disciples were compassionate. These people about to get home. It's about to be supper time. We need to shoo them on in town. And Jesus says, if you recognize they're hungry, feed them. If you recognize they're hungry, feed them. It's very emphatic in the Greek. You feed them. I would give my lunch money to have a picture of the disciples' face when Jesus said to them, you feed them. Their mouth fell open, their eyes got big. Blah, 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 blah. We gonna feed them with shout, 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 shout. I expect they were stuttering like Moses. Shout, 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 shout. We go buy two hundred pennies worth of bread and give them to eat. Now, someone just say two hundred pennies. That doesn't sound like much. Two hundred pennies worth is about eight months worth of pay. Shall we give eight months of pay to feed this crowd? See, there's a difference in compassion and being moved with compassion. You feed them. They get out there and, and this crowd comes around again uh, as they get to the other side and Jesus is moved with compassion. I want you to hear that this morning. Not only is Jesus concerned, but very, and I realize these two interlock, but he's moved with compassion. The greatest example of Jesus being moved with compassion is he saw our sinful lost condition and he wasn't just concerned about it. He wasn't just compassionate about it. He was moved with compassion enough that he left glory, left the right hand of his Father, come to this earth, walk this earth, die on the cross, gave his life, was resurrected on the third day to do something about our sinful condition. He wasn't just compassionate, but he was moved with compassion. It bothered him. How many of you in here this morning have lost sleep at night, not because of your problem, but because the problem of your child or the problem of a good friend you've tossed and turned all night and you've lost sleep? See, that's where Jesus, it got him in the gut and he looked at them and saw that they were like a sheep without a shepherd. These people were wandering. They were chasing after a miracle. They were chasing after some healing. They were chasing. They were wanting to see him do something great. And Jesus realized they need something far greater than to witness a miracle. They need to experience a miracle. They were moved. He was moved with compassion. Again, it's extreme emotion. That's your sympathetic emotion. Jesus, again, he felt this. And regardless today of whether you are a believer or not, you need to hear this, that Christ is moved with compassion over your condition. 
If you're in this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, He was so moved with compassion again, I say, He left the splendor of glory and died on a sinner's cross so that you might have salvation. That's how compassionate, that's how bad it hurt Him. These disciples were worried about these people getting fed, but they weren't worried enough to spend eight months of pay to feed them. Jesus was so compassionate that he saw your lost condition and said, who will pay for it? And he raised his hand and he said, I'll go. That's being moved with compassion. Christians, we need to be reminded this morning of how much we are loved. That he saw you stuck in the miry clay. That he saw you bound with the weight of sin. Helpless, hopeless. And he was compassionate enough. He was moved enough that he said, I'll go to the cross on their behalf. That's the character of Christ. We see his concern, his compassion that moves him. Again, the disciples saw the need. But they weren't moved. They weren't changed because of it. They wanted the people to move. Nine times in the New Testament, nine different times we see Jesus expressing this exact same emotion. Jesus was an emotional person. Don't be embarrassed if you cry. Jesus was emotional. Nine times we see that he was gripped in deep emotion. Sometimes when people were sick, but the majority of those nine times, it was when he saw people in the grips of sin that he was moved with compassion. When you could not, when you would not do anything about your sinful condition, Jesus was moved with compassion. Moved. All the way from glory to the cross. He had merciful compassion toward us and toward these 5,000. His compassion propelled him. It forced him. You know the story. I'm, I'm not really focusing on the miracle that much this morning. You know what happened. He was moved with compassion, so what did he do? He fed those people. His compassion caused him to do something on their behalf that they couldn't do for themselves. That's being moved with compassion. That's being moved with compassion. And finally, in the character of Christ, we see not only the concern and the compassion which are very closely related, but then the charity of Christ. If you're concerned and you're compassionate, it's going to reveal itself. It's, again, as, as this passage says, moved with compassion. Look at this. Verse uh, 38. It says, He saith unto them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fishes. And just in case you don't know, let's not gear, get carried away. They didn't have five loaves. Five loaves would be 110 slices, not counting the heels. I don't know about you, but I don't count the heels. I just go hungry when I'm down to the heels. Yeah. But 100, you know, that five, no, that five, let, let's put it in 
good southern English, five biscuits and two sardines. They didn't have King Michael. They had five biscuits and two fishes. Again, this was just one little boy's lunch. How big do you think it was? Five biscuits and two sardines. All they had. So he commanded him to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by a hundred and by fifties. And when he had taken the five biscuits and two sardines, he looked up to heaven and blessed them. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before him. And the two fishes he divided among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and other fishes. And they did eat for the loaves were about 5,000 men. Again, I didn't write it, but it says 5,000 men. Estimates are at least 15,000 people. 5,000 men, their wives and children. Maybe more. But 5,000 men, their wives and children. And it began to get dark. The disciples realized we're in the middle of nowhere. What are we going to do? This was before the day of the Dollar General on every point. Had it been today, Jesus would just said, run right over there to the Dollar General. There wasn't a Dollar General. It's spring. It's probably about mid-eight on our calendar. Sun would have been setting at about six o'clock. So it's probably about four o'clock. The disciples, you know, in that time, it's going to be dark at six. By four o'clock, the sun's already drifting down on the horizon. And these again, most of these disciples were fishermen. They were well attuned to the weather, the time of day, the situation of the sun. And they knew it's about dark. They're hungry. Again, remember. I would say they hadn't eaten. We hadn't seen anywhere yet where they have eaten. They're hungry. If we're hungry, they're probably hungry. Oh, let's pack the lunch. It's one thing to do, we go home. Let's go home. Jesus says, no, you feed. You saw the need, you meet it. You saw the need. You mean it. There's a great lesson in there for us. You see the need, mean it. I will give you an advanced warning. If you come to me and you say, I think our church, God just really impressed it on me that our church needs this program. My response to you, I'm, I'm going to save you in trouble, so it might stop you. My response to you is going to be well, when you want to start. Since God revealed it to you, then get at it. I'm just, just going to warn you ahead of time. That's how it works. If he revealed it to you, handle it. You feel it. I think, just to use this same analogy, I think we need a food closet in that church, right? There's your room. Get started. 
You feel it. Be moved. You got compassion. Be moved with that compassion. Be moved to the point of charity. Be moved to the point of doing something. Jesus didn't just look at these people and look at these disciples and say, You're right, they probably are hungry. He did something about it. He moved with compassion. Listen, that take eight months of pain. Actually, you don't see it really in this passage, but if you, you study it in the Greek, you realize their response was just, no, I was going to say borderline. No, it was disrespectful. What? You, know, you can hear them like an insolent child. What? Are you crazy? It takes us eight months to pay to feed these people. That are what ones. We ain't that worried about them. Put words in your mouth, but I'm just giving you the idea of how they responded. But that was not the character of Jesus. It wasn't the nature of Jesus. Jesus says, How many loaves do you have? See, they haven't added up their resources. They tell him, He has the people sit down in groups of 150. He begins to reach in the basket. Give him a biscuit. Give him a biscuit. And I can only imagine that the disciples were standing there looking at that little boy's basket of food and thinking, there's 12 of us, five biscuits and two fish. If each one of us gets a biscuit and the other gets a fish, that five of us ain't going to get to eat. And now he's passing it out to them. There's a biscuit. There's a biscuit. Take him a biscuit. Take him a biscuit. Take him a biscuit. And then they see Jesus do the most amazing thing. He reaches back in the basket. <laughs> he ain't counting. I guarantee you everyone in the cycle. One biscuit, two biscuit, three biscuit, four biscuit, five. And then he goes six biscuit, seven biscuit, eight biscuit. I can only imagine a few of them somewhere along the way come over and peep in the basket. He just keeps passing out biscuits and fish. Biscuits and fish. Biscuits and fish. First all you can eat fish camp. Biscuits and fish. Just passing them out. Passing them out. Just kept going. He kept doing it. Thousands upon thousands. Upon thousands. The fed. Why? Because that is the character of my Jesus. Nobody went away hungry because that is the character of my Jesus. He is concerned. He is moved with compassion. And he is moved to the point of charity. And all don't miss, and I know a lot of preachers have preached on this, so I'm not going to spend any time there. When they got done passing out to the thousands and thousands, how many baskets does it say was left? Twelve. Twelve. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Even the disciples got to eat. Because that is the character of my Jesus. This morning, there are some people in this room who need to be reminded 
of the care of Jesus. You're going through some tough times. You're going through some health problems or some family problems or some financial problems. Uh, the kinds of problems there are in our world is limitless. Car problems, broke down houses problems, children problems, you know, health problems, the list just goes on and on. And you need to be reminded this morning of the character of Jesus. See, it's easy for Satan to get up on our shoulder and begin to whisper in our ear and even convince us that nobody cares. A lot of times after the death of a loved one, friends and family, they'll be right around you for a few days, a few weeks. But then life just begins to return to normal. And Satan begins to whisper in you, don't nobody care. You lose your job. Most everything's that way. You lose your job for a few days. People calling you, checking on you. Might bring you by a basket of food. Hand you a little money. But after so long, life goes on. And you begin to think nobody cares. Satan begins to tell you that. And you begin to believe it. Whatever it is this morning, the character of Christ is concern, compassion, and charity. Well, there's some other things we can talk about. But those are the four you need to hear this morning. There's some people who walked in this morning and we couldn't see it. You smiled, you shook hands, you hugged. Hey, how you doing? Looked like the homecoming queen and the Christmas parade coming in. Hey, how you doing? You come in the door. Just, you, know, you, just, you might as well be set up in the back of the convertible. How you doing? You walked around, tapped people on the back, and on the inside, you're hot. You're hurt. There's tears just right there, just about like, if somebody said the right thing to you, you just pop. I want you to know something this morning. Jesus is concerned. Jesus is moved with compassion. Jesus has charity for your circumstance. And I want to show you something else. I've been here coming up before long on 29 years. I've been in Baptist churches my whole life. And just probably right about now, considering when I was born, I've been in the Baptist church 59 years. I've been in a bunch of them, preached in a bunch of them. And I've never seen one where the people cared more about each other than you. But can I tell you something? If they don't know, they can't care. Then let me say to some of you, you need to do a better job 
of demonstrating and displaying these same character traits of Jesus. It's easy to get hard in this society. Man, every time you turn around, you ought to have my job. Every time I turn around, somebody's asking me for something. Somebody's wanting us to help them. Somebody's got another pitch. Somebody's got something. And it's easy to get calloused and hard and just immediately. Write them off. Would you come this morning and kneel and say, Lord, help me. Peel back those calluses. Let me be a little more concerned. Let me be a little bit more compassionate. Let me be a little bit more charitable. You say, I'm broke, I can't be charitable. I'm not talking about necessarily giving them money. Some people just want to show them the crowd. They just need a friend to listen to. They just need a smile on the face. Make us like Jesus. Make us like Jesus. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And God, I thank you for showing us the character of Christ. God, at some point in our life, every person in this room needs to be reminded of the concern and the compassion and the charity of Christ. At some point in our life, we all face battles, face mountains, we need to be reminded of that. I don't know who lives here this morning. But God, would you just touch their heart and tell them you still care? That you're still concerned about their condition. That you're moved with compassion about their situation. God, would you stir our heart this morning? God, as we fall on the altar before you and say, make us more like Jesus in a mean, nasty, brutal world, make us compassionate towards our brothers and sisters, towards our fellow man. God, help us to do our teeth for Jesus. Touch us in my prayer. Amen. As we stand together.
you're interested in that on the 21st, that Saturday night, uh, if you would let me know, and I will find out for sure uh, about the, the tickets and what get the time straight in my head. I think I know what time, but um, I, since that's still that's two weeks off, I haven't worried about it that much. Um, but um, and it will be. I think you'll enjoy it. There'll be some gold prizes and things. But, uh, it will be a great evening. You'll hear about amazing, amazing work uh, that God is doing in that region um, of a very, very dark area. Uh, and so remember that. Uh, also, uh, thank you. Uh, I had to postpone yesterday's cleanup day. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, I have a really bad sinus infection and the dust and the mold and stuff. I didn't need to be. I didn't want to be. Uh, down there stirring that up, so we'll move that to this side. Um, and if I'm not better, I'll come and lock the doors and let you in and get out of the way. I don't like doing that, but we'll, we'll need to get it done. So this Saturday at 9 o'clock, um, and again, um, ladies, I'm not, not going to tell you don't come. Um, probably need a supervisor, um, but um, this is probably not the kind of stuff you want to um, get into. Shoveling, etc., tearing up some carpet, things, tearing out some stuff that's got there. So remember that this Saturday uh, at nine o'clock. Um, so keep that in mind. And then finally, uh, I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm sure all of you have seen. I probably should address this earlier. Um, pray for peace in Israel. Um, those are God's people. It's God's chosen nation. And uh, pray for, for peace there. Um, and you read any of the rhetoric, um, uh, Israel was planning on exacting the heavy, heavy toll. Uh, and so it could escalate and get really ugly, really, really ugly earth really quick. Uh, and so pray for uh, God's people and the nation of Israel. All right, let's bow as we are this year. All right? See, you just